Thank you for joining us today for the ministry of the word at Foundation Church. We pray that what you hear today will be as much of a blessing for you as it was for the people of our congregation. Well, greetings this Lord's Day on Father's Day. Amen. Today is, uh, and every Sunday in a sense, is Father's Day in that we have come to the Father's house, amen, to um, commune with him, talk to him, to hear from him. And I actually had a uh, kind of a fun talk with my dad on the phone yesterday. Uh, he, he had his birthday and his anniversary, and he's like, you forgot my anniversary and you married me. I said, that's true, dad, I, I did. He said, I got married on my birthday, you know, that way I could remember my anniversary. And, you know, I said, well, I missed your, I missed your birthday and I missed your anniversary. I said, but I'm going to fix that. I set a reminder on my phone for next year just so I wouldn't miss it again. Uh, but I love the familiarity uh, that my dad allowed uh, with me. Um, I know familiarity can breed, you know, disrespect and content uh, and uh, contempt. Uh, but I love the fact that my dad uh, talked with me and wrestled with me and played with me and laughed with me. And I'm thankful for my dad today. Um, he wasn't a perfect dad, uh, but he's still trying to be a pretty good dad. And uh, he calls and checks in and uh, blesses us as he can. We never really see him. I wish there are things I wish that could be different, but to be thankful for my dad today. My heavenly father, though, he does not ever fall short. Amen? You know? And I don't really think that our goal as fathers is to live up to the father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We'd like to be like that, wouldn't you, Jeff? You know, like, uh, but we fall so miserably short from that. But we are uh, thankful that we have a heavenly father who loves us and who knows us and who cares for us. I'm glad we don't have one of those dads, uh, who doesn't speak, who doesn't share his emotion, who, who, you know, keeps us at a distance, who, you know, whatever. That's not God. God is tender and he's loving and he cares for us. And, uh, he knows us better than anybody. That's one of the reasons I like to talk to my dad is my dad, he knows me. He knows, you know, he, he believes good about me. He knows what went into the story of my life. He knows what we have gone through for years together. Psalm 100, our call to worship today, says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God, and it is he that has made us, and not we ourselves. And we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, and his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Can we say thanks be to God? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you for allowing us closeness to you and giving us your word so that we can know you. Lord, we search the scriptures so that we might know more about you and draw nearer to you as we do. Today, we long to hear your voice, your voice for us today, for what we're going through, for what we are walking through as a church. Be with us, talk to us, lead us, give us peace that passes understanding and joy unspeakable. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said amen. Remain standing for just a little bit more. It's hard to believe that we are 11 Psalms from finishing the book of Psalms. And um, I find it an extraordinary uh, privilege to get to preach God's word and teach God's word and write about God's word. Uh, I, I, 
I work on it every day uh, in the, the book I'm writing and in the sermons I am uh, producing. But sometimes I think it's okay to, you know, my, my little Liam, he's always wanting to know what my favorite, daddy, what's your, what's your, and sometimes he puts an R in there, what's your favorite, what's your favorite uh, color? What's your favorite movie, your fra favorite, you know, he's always wanting to know, right, Liam? Come on, tell him the truth, you're always wanting to know. And um, I'm like, it's hard to have a favorite. I, I love everything. I, I, my favorite food, you know, it, I don't know, whatever I'm eating. And, um, but I will tell you that this week when I read Psalm 139 from the beginning to ending, I, at the end I said, this is my favorite so far. And what I love about it is how beautiful it is. My sermon today is called To Know and Be Known of God. And I'm going to read my text. I'll read the first six verses and we will preach through the chapter. To me, this is a beautiful picture of, uh, of God's love for us and our love for him, this image that we have up here on the screen is of the, do you guys remember the story of the 10 lepers that came and he cleansed them, but there was only one that returned. This is the one that returned and Jesus, well, we'll that's actually part of my sermon a little bit, so I'll say it then, but that's the leper that returned to give thanks. And today I just wanted to give thanks for the great gift that God has given me in being your pastor and for having the great privilege of teaching and preaching his word. Psalm 139, beginning in verse 1, says this, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising, and thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compasseth my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou know it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. And such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain unto it. Let us pray. Oh, it is our goal, O Lord, to know and to be known of you. We know that you know us, but we want to know you, Lord. Oh, search our hearts today. Lead us beside still waters today. Walk with us hand in hand and lead us into the beautiful paths of righteousness for your name's sake. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. To be loved by God is one thing. To be loved by God and to, to truly know it and to know him is another one. It should be our prayer to be among those who find themselves like the one leper that returned to Jesus, right? To give him thanks. Remember his story? Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 17? He said, were not there 10 who were cleansed? He asked the lone leper that was a Samaritan who had been among the 10 who had come for healing that day, where, where are the other nine? Where, where are they? See, the rest of the lepers, they were Jews. They had all been given mercy. They were all healed. But the one who returned was given faith that produced gratitude and the knowledge of who Jesus was. Remember Philip's question, show us the Father. And what did Jesus say? If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Have I been so long time with you that you don't know who I am? You don't know me at all? If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. It may be your good fortune to have found yourself here today in this place because your parents or someone who loves you brought you here. 
But what comes next in your life will reveal what has or has not happened in your own heart. Your parents can come with you to church. They can bring you to the Savior, but their faith cannot save you. The blessings and the cleansing that comes to you by virtue of your Christian heritage, your Christian parents, is a wonderful blessing like the nine lepers received that day. But without faith, everybody say, without faith, it is impossible to return with the heart of thanksgiving and be made whole. It is impossible to please God. Psalm 139 may be a familiar song to your heart today, even if you've never read it or heard it, because the psalmist is expressing something that you feel deeply already. But there are others here today, and that may be you, who find yourself listening to the melodies and harmonies of this song, but you are not able to truly join in these intimate sentiments. You might be asking yourself, after you hear this message, you might go, do, do I even have faith? Do I know God at all? Because I don't really feel this way about God. Am I filled with the Holy Spirit or am I just surrounded by a world of people who are? No matter which one you are, fear not, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 139 and call on him for mercy and he will heal you as he healed the lepers, but he will also give you a heart that can join all of us in this beautiful song. Psalm 139 does have an inspired heading. It says, to the choir master, a psalm of David. I'm, I'm really glad that it is uh, given an author here. You see, including this psalm, we have 12 more psalms to go to complete our study of God's songbook for his people. And in this number, the last seven are David's psalms of his 75 that he contributed to the Psalter. The glorious hallelujah psalms follow after that in a praise exploding in tumultuous grand finale, which we're gonna have it right here. It's in the psalm and we're gonna have it, okay? Get ready for four or five weeks of praise ye the Lord, because they're coming, okay? Why are they coming? Because they come next, that's why. Today's psalm is deeply personal to its writer, David, who talked to God like a father and a friend through the vicissitudes of his life. He was no saint in the modern use of the word, but he was every saint in the Bible's use of it. He was marred and scarred by sin at the character level. He was often impetuous and at many times far from acting in God's favor. But nonetheless, everybody said, nonetheless, he was deeply loved by God and he knew it. You know, you might be like him. You might go, you know what, I'm a mess and I got troubles and I'm unthankful and I complain and everybody say, nonetheless, he loves you. He loves you very deeply. You may not even realize it. And this is what it means to be a saint, a sanctified believer in Christ set apart for him in an eternal home with the Savior. It's understanding the situation. We don't impress God, but he loves us. He takes pleasure in us. He, you know, I can't imagine really what it would be like to, to be, you know, a, and this may sound funny, but to be a wife, to be a woman who, whose husband, you know, looks at her like I look at my wife and I just say, wow, I love that woman. You know, like she's so beautiful and so special to me. I know it's different the way women think of men, but, but God thinks of us in a way like we're his bride, like he he loves us. He takes pleasure in seeing us and being around us. I'm, if I just like to be in the same vicinity of this 
this woman. Just be near her, be around her to, it just makes my life really good. God takes pleasure from us. He likes us. You know, sometimes I go work on the back deck and, and or the, not on the deck, but the little patio. And if one of my sons are there or Jonathan is there, I don't even have to talk to them. You know, Jonathan will be working on his thing or somebody, you know, be sitting in their chair. And I just, I just, I just love them. I love to be with them and, and it enriches my life just to sit out there and just be with them. You see, God feels that way about you. I don't know if you understand this. He likes you. He enjoys you. He's your friend. You might go, well, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know about that. Well, we'll get to that. As we come to verse one, he says, oh Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. What, what an opening line for a psalm. And I'm telling you, you can get caught up in the King James of this psalm and you will miss the fact that he is talking to God. And what you're going to see developing here is everything that you want in a close friend, everything that you enjoy in someone you like to be with and and someone who means something to you. Every one of those things is what David is talking about with God. This, this is not a, uh, a transcendent, uh, thou up in the heavenly so far from me. No, it's not that at all. It's more a, Lord, you know me. Oh, oh Lord. I mean, he begins it with an oh Lord, which is oh Yahweh. He's like using the proper name for God. We hear the prayerful tone from the very first note that invokes this deep of David's heart calling unto the unfathomable depths and friendship that God has offered him. This is a deeply personal song to God. It is not irreverent. It is telling of his closeness, his friendship with God. Oh Lord Yahweh, oh Lord of heaven, you have searched me and Lord, you know me. As you walk through the grocery store, people are passing you. And I, I've mentioned this before because I find this amazing. I really do. Think about the expression on your face when you walk through the grocery store. You know, you're just kind of busy doing what you're doing. And you have this face on. And, and Hannah's doing this. She knows what I'm talking about. You know, you got your face, right? You got kind of your business face, your grocery. You know, you're like, you know, what are we, where do they keep the baking soda? Is it where, you know, and all of a sudden you look up. And there one of my kids are, or my wife, or me, and all of a sudden you go, you go from this to, uh, there they are, ah, you know, ah, and then, and what do you want to do? Do you just want to go, right? What do you want to do? I know what my kids do, ah, you know, and they run over and, and they gotta, they gotta touch them and they gotta look at them and they gotta, oh, you're here. I can't believe you're here. You know, and this goes on. Why? Because why? Because you know them. face instantly changes it lights up to the face that you show those who you know and who know you that's the face you get it brings us joy to unexpectedly see some we know and love it's it's tied into the uh expression that david uses in psalm 27 when he says what does he say he says when you said seek my face my heart said thy face will i seek that's psalm 27 8 what he's saying the seeking the face of God. I remember as a kid, we were taught, uh, I, I believe, somewhat of a wrong impression of God. We would come to the altar and we would beg, oh God, oh Lord, please, Lord, oh God. And we'd cry, oh Lord, save us, Lord. And, and Lord, and you know, and, and there was this longing, okay, and I'm not saying we should not seek after God and longing for God. But the seeking the face of God, we're like, oh, we got to seek. We got to seek. When we seek with our whole heart, we will find him then. And so we were like, we're going to do it. We're going to seek. We're going to We're going to sweat and we're going to pray. And then God is going to see our great efforts and he's going to respond. 
That's not what this talking about. To seek the face of God is this. How many of you have ever had a fight with your loved one? Oh, please. What's the first thing that happens? Right? When do you know things are, are better? When they look at you, you know? It's like, uh, come on, you know what I'm talking about. You know, the fa your face is gone. Now, I, I can't imagine it ever happens at your house, but, but where's Tim, have you, ever, have you ever kind of been seeking your face? Like, look at me, babe. Come on, I'm right here. I'm, I'm your hunk of love here. I'm your man. And then, and you're like, you're like when is that woman going to look at me and give me back the face that says she loves me? You know what I'm talking about? That's what it means to seek the face of God. You, you're looking. You want to know God. You want, you want closeness with God. You want, you want it to be good between you and the Lord. You want it to be personal. You want to understand that it's not like, you know, we've got this big stone thing and, and we go and we offer, a, a, you know, some dead animal on it up there and we're feeding the gods and we're hoping that he's not going to kill us. That's how, that's how the whole world worshiped the, the gods. They're hungry, they're temperamental, they're moody, they're mad. What does the Bible say in the New Testament? Say, you know, we don't have a God like that. Everybody say, we don't have a God like that. He says, you have a high priest which can be touched by the feeling of your infirmities. Because at all points, he lived just like you. He was tempted like as you are yet without sin. He knows you. He knows you because he became you. That's what is going on here. To know and to be known of God is to understand that God is your friend, Titus. He loves you. When you're, you know, you're out, you know, cutting the grass, God is going... Check Titus out. Ain't he handsome? You know how your mom does? Come on. You look out the window and you're just like, man, look at that boy. And it's just sheer pleasure. Now, it's not always that way, right? And then, you know, maybe she chases you around the house with a broomstick. I don't know. I don't know. When you said, seek my face, my heart said, thy face will I seek. God knows us and he wants to know, he wants us to know him. John the Beloved said that one day we will see him, how guys? Face to face. And we will know him even as he is known. It's, it's not that we can't know God now, it's only that we'll know him even better then when the darkened glass between us is broken. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we Know him in part. One day we will know him as he knows us. See the emphasis in the love chapter. The love chapter ends with that he knows us. This can be scary in a certain way, but in another way, it's what we really, really want from the people in our lives. We want them to know. How many of you want people to say, man, I just want you to know me. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? It is what we want. We're like, you know, if they only knew, if they only knew how much I cared about them, if they, if they only knew that I'd like, you know, step in front of a bullet, you know, if they only knew what they mean to me in my life and what, if they only knew me. Abraham, our father, the father of those who lived and walked by faith as he did was the friend of God. You might be going, I, I think it's a little irreverent here talking about being buddies with God. I don't think so at all. Isaiah 41, 8, you know what God says? He says, Abraham, my friend. This is a quote straight from God in Isaiah 41, 8. Could you imagine this? Could you imagine God sending the word to the prophet and saying, my friend, Mark? I'd be like, <laughs> I remember uh, one day opening up. Uh, Facebook and George Grant was on there and he said, my friend, Mark Robinette wrote this great book and I, I didn't know he had gotten the book. I didn't know he'd seen the book and I really didn't even know I was his friend. And so, <laughs> so I laughed. I'm like, you know, cause I think George Grant and I love his teaching and I'm like, 
my friend, like, I'm like, can I call you maybe? Could we like, could we hang out? You know, like. King Jehoshaphat invokes the friendship of God as a reason for his own deliverance in 2 Chronicles 27, 7. And in the New Testament in James 2, 23, it says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called the friend of God. Everybody say the friend of God. See, he's the father of the faithful, which is us, you and me. And if Abraham can be God's friend, guess who else can be God's friend? Okay, to speak of knowing God or him knowing us as our close friend is not an attempt to shrink God down to our size or that we are imagining our own importance. To speak of knowing God is to accept that even though we can't understand why God would care to know us, the fact remains that he does. That he takes pleasure in us and he enjoys the fragrance of our offerings of prayer. He likes to be near us. He likes to be with us. That's what it is. When you love people, you like to be with them. You like to be near them. The Bible tells us that Jesus made himself of no reputation in Philippians chapter 3. He took upon him the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men and found him fashioned as a man. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But he lived among us. He felt our temptations and sorrows and joys, and he loved the men and women that he spent time with. The Bible says that. He, he loved them. Uh, I, I think the story of Jesus is uh, when, when you stop looking at it like some outlandish uh, parable and you start looking at it in the real way, you got Jesus going to the house of Mary and Martha and his friend Lazarus and he's wanting to hang out with them and he's wanting to be with them. And I'm telling you, he's wanting to be with them because he's about to go die and he just needs a little bit of moral support. You go, well, Jesus needed moral support. Yeah, he did. Do you remember in the garden? Did he go to the garden by himself? He didn't go to the garden by himself. He took his closest friends with him. And he says, he asked them a question. Could you guys just like, could you guys stay here and watch and, and, and pray with, with me? You know, sometimes that's what we need. That's why we're opening up the after sermon time because sometimes we need a little, we need someone to pray with you. You know, if you want someone to pray with you, you want to pray, I'll sit here and pray with you as long as you want. We, there's nowhere else we got to be or nothing we got to do. Sometimes we need to stop. We need to go, God, I need a touch from you. And sometimes you're just maybe heavy with grief. Maybe you've been through something difficult. Maybe you have something facing you in your life. Sometimes we just have to stop and talk to God. And sometimes we need someone to be there with us. Through the great suffering that actually I went through personally in what happened I remember specifically sitting in that back room one day and just, I was just crushed and hurt in my heart and my soul. And I was just like, oh God, could somebody please, Lord, could you send somebody over here who would just come and just sit with me and, and, and lay their hands on my shoulder and just pray with me to just cry with me, Lord. I just, I, I, I'm hurting when we're hurting, we don't really want to be, we don't want to be alone. You know what God did? You can't even get a signal in this building. And my phone rang and it was John Dethridge. And I said, oh, Johnny, I said, I just prayed. And you're the answer to my prayer. He didn't even stop to go, oh, that's interesting. You know what he did? He said, oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Oh, touch my friend. And then he starts singing. I'm like, oh, Lord, you know what I need. Lord, you know who I need. I need a friend who loves me. And I'll tell you what, if, any, if, there's, a, if there's a guy anywhere that loves me, he's Johnny, John Dethridge, my buddy. He loves me. He'd, he'd, he, yeah, I won't get into all what I think he would do, but he's, he's my friend. God certainly knows you, but, but do you know God and do you know how God feels about you. 
The scripture tells us that God comes to our door and that he eagerly wants to join us when we open it and invite him into our table. He said he'll sup with you and fellowship with you and hang out with you. Communion and fellowship is not merely a man-to-man activity. There is a fellowship divine. Everybody say fellowship divine. It is available to all those who receive him. And I'm calling on those of you maybe who are here and who can't really even dial into what I'm even talking about to receive it and say, Lord, I want that from you. You will see the same theme continued in this holy song of David throughout the whole thing. As we come to verse two, David continues to build on the same verse on the same theme here. Verse two, thou knowest my down sitting, my uprising. Thou understands my thoughts afar off. You know, when I sit down, when I get up, you know, everything that I do, you understand my thoughts from afar off. You're, you seem to be far away, but somehow you're in my mind and you get me, you know, my thoughts. You know everything about me when I wake up until I lay my head to rest. You know my very thoughts. What a great gift it is to know that God sees into our hearts and minds and that even when we do not speak out loud, he hears our thoughts. It's not, you know, creepy like Santa who knows when you're sleeping and knows when you're awake and when you've been bad or good. You know, he's watching to see if you're going to get a lump of coal or whatever. It's not like that. The knowledge being talked about is extreme closeness that we have with God and how much he attends to us. The Bible says he numbers the hairs on our head. Now, I love my wife, but I can tell you what, I don't do that. I pay attention to her. I want to know where she's at, but I don't number the hairs on her head. She might be able to number mine. That was a, that was a bald joke. Did, did anybody get that? I spend a lot of time communing with God upon my bed in the daytime and at nighttime, knowing in the echoing chambers of my busy mind that God is there. I sometimes forget and God and I laugh together. I'll start telling tell him something. I'll be like, okay, Lord, you know, I'll, I'll start to talk to God, uh, Benaiah, like, you know, mother, I might talk to you, you know, and I'll be like, you know, you know, and then I'll go, well, you know, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I'll, I'll, I'll be really working hard, Christian, to try to get God to understand something. And then I stop and I start laughing and I'm like, well, you, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? You were there, right? You know, you, you were there and I will laugh at myself because I get so comfortable talking with God that I forget that he's God. And I go, well, okay, you, you, you already know that, but you, you know, and, and, and that's a real, real experience. When you get older, you might even hesitate to make new friends because in order for them to know you, it would be uh, a great investment for both of you to hear all of your stories. And it's truly the only way to get to know somebody. Um, and I don't mean to keep bringing up my wife, but she is my closest friend. Mrs. Robinette and I had known each other for years when we became romantically involved. And she will testify to you that we spent hours upon hours talking on the phone. Back in the day where there was a thing called long distance, Titus. And you had to pay for every minute. And we would talk and talk and fall asleep on the phone and wake up the next morning and we were still on the phone, still on long distance. There's still a court judgment out there somewhere, I'm sure, against me for that. You guys probably find up. I don't know. If, no, I, I actually did pay all my long distance bills. But um, love wants to know. Everybody say love wants to know. And pardon me for this little uh, example that I give. I enjoy the country music group, Rascal Flats. And um, I, I love this poetry. I think, I think some of the greatest poets today are country music. And, well, and not just country, but all of music. You know, we don't think there are poets, but this is poetry. He says this, this song called Take Me There. He said, there's a place in your heart 
nobody's been. Take me there. Things nobody knows, not even your friends. Everybody say, take me there. He said, I want to roll down Main Street, the back roads like you did when you were a kid. What made you who you are? Tell me what your story is. I want to know everything about you. I, I want to go down every road where your hopes and dreams and wishes live, where you keep the rest of your life hid. I want to know the girl behind that pretty stare. Take me there. The poetry of that is that truth of he's met this person that he wants to be close to and he understands that in order to do that, you got to take them there. You got to, you got to tell those stories. God knows us like this. He understands all the things that has made you, you and, and me, me. He knows all of our intentions, our hopes, our aspirations. He cares about them all. This song is about what real friendship is about at the core. It's what it means to be known. To know and to be known of God. Solomon offered some wisdom to us about friendship in Proverbs 18, 24, when he said, the man who has too many friends chosen indiscriminately will be broken in pieces and come to ruin. But there is a true loving friend who is reliable and sticks closer than a brother. You know, everyone always talks about this and we know that Jesus is that, but You've had earthly friends that are like that, that are true. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There are people in your life, you, you might go to your brother, but there's people you go to that are even closer than that. It's because you've been there. You've been there with them. They know everything. You don't have to retell it. Whoa, 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 let me tell, let me, you know, you know, Jonathan, you don't have to tell me how you met your wife. I, I know that story. You don't have to tell me many of your stories. What? Because I heard your stories. I was with you. I was there. We were part of it. And because of that, we can have a closeness that a lot of people can never have. Jesus truly is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the one who laid down his life for his, for his friends, the Bible says. We are known of God like no other. When we come to verse 3, Thou compasseth my paths, my lying down. Thou art acquainted with all my ways. You have your eye on every path that I'm walking, even before I walk on it. You care about the restfulness and comfort of my sleep. All my ways. This is comprehensive. To know and be known of God in all our ways should be a great comfort to us. It's not meant, this is, this, this is not meant to frighten us. It's meant to teach us how much he loves us. Verse 4, for there's not a word in my tongue, but Lord, you know it all together. You know, we think of, you know, God just, you know, uh, being God. Of course, he knows everything. But what David is talking about is he's talking about, you ever, you ever have a friend who can finish your sentences? You know, they know what you're going to say. And, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I know that. You, you told me about that. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I know where you're going. That's what David's talking about. David is talking about friendship here. There's not a word of my tongue, but oh Lord, you know it. <laughs> you understand me. You know what I mean when I speak. People who don't know us don't always understand what we're saying. You don't have to explain and defend yourself when you talk to your close friends. They know who you are. They, they fill in the blanks. When we talk to God, it can be like this. We can say crazy things we might not say to anyone else, just like we do when we're in a safe relationship with a friend, someone who loves us. God offers us this kind of closeness. Verse five and six continue to extol David's understanding of what it means to know and be known of God. Thou hast been behind me and before me. Thou hast laid thy hand upon me. Unlike our earthly friends, God is always there with us no matter where we go. Our friends know that they can touch us. In fact, we like it when they touch us. God puts his hand upon us when our brother and sister in Christ put their hands on us. That's why when you pray, people, what, what do people want to do? When someone's praying and someone's crying, do you want to stand three feet away from them? You want to get close to them. You want to put your hand on them. You want to be with them. Isn't it what we must do when we see someone hurting that we love? Do we just... You know, one of your kids is crying, Christina, do you just go, yeah, that's, hope they, hope they feel better soon. What do you do? 
You got to get them, right? And you got to be close to them, you know, little Daniel. He hurt his ear. Does mama care that his blood's on her shirt? No, she's like, that's where his head's going to be with me. Why? Because she's going to touch him. She's going to hold him. She's going to love him. Why? Because that's what friendship does. It, it touches. When the Bible talks about greeting one another with a holy kiss, you know, I, it is true, honestly. I somewhat envy I, when I, I see a, 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 when I'm around foreigners and they walk up to each other and they hug and they kiss each other. I kind of go, I know we don't do that around our life, but that's kind of cool. You ever see that, you know? And like, these are like, these are like manly men. Like they don't seem weirded out about it. They just grab each other and you're like, I like that. It says he laid his hand upon me. What is he talking about? God touches us. Isn't that what we want? But those we love when they're celebrating. I think it's funny. It's not just when they're hurting, but when else? So, you know, Liam... Uh, well, okay. Liam and I were playing this game. And when we got done, we won it together. And what did he want to do? Oh, that's fantastic. Or did he go, high five, Dad! Look at the way he won, we won, we won, right? And so what do you do? Love, even when we feel great, when we're celebrating, we're excited. When someone tells you, I'm getting married, I'm having a baby, you're like, you're like, congratulate, you want to touch them, congratulations, and you get them and you want to shake them by the shoulders. Love touches. We are the body of Christ. We should be touching each other and loving each other. And, and in so doing, we are touching Christ. It is part of our friendship with him. And our knowledge of God is the knowledge of those that are around us. We are closer than a family member. We are part of a body. His unseen hand upon us in so many ways. It's the little special things he does for us. We feel the warmth of his embrace and the tenderness of his affection toward us. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. Can you see what's happening in this verse? He's like, the fact that I can be close with God like this is just too awesome. It's too Amazing, Knowing these things that we've been talking about should bring us all to what we call doxology. And we call doxology why? When, when, when we walk up, I don't know if you understand what this is supposed to be, but this is supposed to be almost like an involuntary response, okay? Like, like, wow! Okay? So when, when we come forward and we do the doxology, what we're doing is we're like going... Praise God from whom we're like, we are like undone. I remember being in England and standing between this brook and there was this stone house and this all this stuff. And it was like so beautiful joy that I was just like, I literally lift my hands. I was like, praise God. From, and I'm like, you know, my wife's, oh no, he's, there he goes again. That's what a doxology is. And so here we see it should bring us to a doxology when we begin to understand he knows us, he loves us, he takes pleasure in us, he goes before us, he's behind us, he knows our thoughts and our words, he understands us, he doesn't miss us, he gets us and he touches us and he walks with us. This should make us go, what in the world could I and should I ever be afraid of? It should overwhelm us by his goodness and closeness to us. It's what it does to David as he begins to revel in his closeness with God and wonder at it all. To be known and to know God is a marvelous thing. For the next 12 verses, David dances and he shouts in a praise break of joy and amazement. Maybe he cries for the joy at the very thought that the king of glory would be his friend. But whatever he did, there's nothing static and remote about this praise. I am certainly for expository preaching, but it would truly be tragic to merely read through these next 12 verses and dissect them word by word. It would be a cold and disinterested way of seeing them because that is not how David offered them. And it's certainly not the intention of the psalmist. So I'm going to read this section in its entirety before looking at each verse because I just cannot just go verse to verse. I can't do it. 
You ready? Now you have to see God. This is, this is what David, this is David's prayer. Whither shall I go from my spirit? Whither shall I flee from my presence? If I ascend into heaven thou, O Lord, are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there thy hand shall lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hides not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee, for thou hast possessed my reigns. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul well dwelleth knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee. And when I was made in sickness and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect and in the book of all thy members were written, which is continuance were fashioned when as yet none of them had been. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. Oh, the great sum of them, if I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you, Lord. I mean, guys, what a doxology, right? It might not be the way that you would say it, but I've mentioned this before. There was a man in our church that used to get up and he would do it almost every Sunday. He would stand up and he would say, oh, the Lord. He was, a, he was an old black man my dad had brought to Christ from work and he would say, he woke me up this morning and he loved me and he gave me life today. And I, and I remember him and, he, and he'd stand up and he'd start walking up the aisle and he'd be like, oh, he said, I was once lost in sin. And that's what you see going on. He's like, he knows me. He loves me. He, was, he knew me when I was in the darkness of my mother's womb. He knew me and he loved me and he's before me and behind me. And even if I say to myself, God isn't there and God hates me, he's still there. That's what he's saying. He's saying it don't matter what I do. It doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't depend on God. He's a friend and he loves me. And so David is just like, you know, he's either dancing or shouting or crying or he's doing something, but he's not going, in the book of the spirit that God thinks these ways about me. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Is there anywhere I can go that you're not already there? Can I run from you out of shame or fear as many do when they let their friends down or they feel their friends know the real them and they want to run? No, indeed, if I run, guess what? He is already at the place that I'm running. This is what it means to know and be known of God. If I ascend into heaven, Thou there, if I make my bed in hell, aren't there? If I could fly above the clouds, I would find you there, God. If I could go down into the grave with the dead, await the final day of judgment. Lord, you're already there too. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, if I could fly to the rising sun or across the mighty sea, God, you are there. Even there, you will walk with me hand in hand like a child walks with their father and you will be my strength and protection. Even when it's too dark for me to believe or to see there in my unbelief, you are there to shine the light on me. Whether it's dark or light, it doesn't matter to you. It never overwhelms or overcomes you. You are master over all of my doubts and fears. You've been doing this all of my life, even before I came out of the darkness of my mother's womb. Even there, you could see my whole life. And you were with me. This is what's amazing about God. You know, Jennifer knows your whole life, the life you lived. But you know what she doesn't know? The one you're going to live. And you know what God knows? God knows who you were and he knows who you will be. Now that may scare you. It doesn't scare me because God is at work making me. And you know, he knows who I will be in heaven. Do you know God knows the glorified you, one that is not marred and scarred with sin? He knows that you. And it colors everything he sees. Knowing this causes praise to spring forth from me like a geyser. This is what it means to know 
and be known of God. You literally know what I am made of. You were there when I was a single fertilized cell and began to grow. Before I lived a day, you had already written the story of my life. I'm going through these verses and I'm rephrasing them. This is what they, this is what they mean. Reading your word and hearing your voice is my greatest longing and my greatest treasure. Verse 18, as I count my blessings on my bed falling asleep because they're too numerous to name, when I wake up, unending list remains, recounting them, recounting them. When I wake up on the phone, and I've been on the phone, you're still there, Lord! Your enemies and mine, this murderous lot that they are, you will end their existence completely. Verse 19. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thy enemies take thy name in vain. When heathens talk about you as though you are not real, they are fools who will, like the chaff, blow away in the wind of your judgment, and they will be forgotten, but you will endure forever. I will not let anybody talk bad about you in my presence. It's what we do with friends. If someone hates your friend, you, you really shouldn't have a relationship with those people. What does the Bible say about friendship with the world? It's enmity with God. Verse 21, do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? Am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? He's expressing this friendship. I'll tell you, when you know someone loves you and cares about you, if someone trashes you to them, that, that, that they won't have that. Like, hey, we ain't having that. Mark's my friend. Joy's my friend. Someone come to me and start talking bad about you. I can tell you right now, they wish they hadn't. Because you're my friend. That's the way it works. That's what friendship is. I know her. Don't tell me that about her. That isn't true. And if it was, I'll have to hear it from her lips. That's what friendship is. That's what's going on here. David's like, they talk bad about you and it, it, it burns him up. I hate them. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate you. I am, am I not grieved with those that rise up against you? As much as I love you, God, I hate them that hate you. This is what it means to know and be known of God. It's what it means to be a friend of God. This is what it means to be a friend, period. Verse 22, I hate them with a perfect hatred and I count them my enemies. You ever heard this? Yeah, your enemy is my enemy, right? Right? Your enemies are my enemies. Friendship with the world is separation from God. James 4, as we read in our reading today, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity or separation from God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Folks, I'm telling you, we got to hate the world, not just not love it. We got to hate it. We got to understand that the system they're building and that the world they're creating and that the ideology that they stand for is repugnant to the nostrils of God. We cannot just fall in love with it and join in lockstep to what they're doing and do what they do and live like they do. We are not those people. Verse 23, search me, O God, and I love this. I love how the psalm ends. Search me, O God, and know my heart. He's just told how God knows everything already. So what is he saying? He's saying, you know what, God, I want even more of that. You already know my words. You're already everywhere. You already love me. You know me when the darkness of my mouth. You've known all this, but Lord, I want to know you even more. Wasn't that the cry of the apostle? Oh, that I may know him in Philippians chapter three. Oh, that I may know him. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. He's saying, let this work of knowing me, let it cleanse out the sin and the nasty things in my life that oppose you. Lord, I want you to conquer in me your enemies in me. Kill the old man. Lord, search me, know me. To know and to, to be known of God is to say, wash me and I will be clean. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way that's everlasting. I will close out the psalm here by reading for you a portion from Romans chapter 8 and doing some brief commentary on it. 
It says, likewise, the Spirit itself helps our infirmities. This is Roman 8, 26. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit makes intercession. When we don't know, everybody say, He knows. The Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. You may be praying for someone, you don't even know what to pray, but there's a groaning inside of you. You can feel something. I have this weird spiritual gift. I do. I, I do have it. I know it. And I have laid hands on people, and as I have prayed with them, I know what is in their heart and what, what they can't say. And oftentimes I will pray it on their behalf, and later they will say, how did you know that? I'm like, I don't know anything. All I know is that is what I felt to pray. And they're like, that's what I was needing to say, but I couldn't say it. The Bible talks about a gift of prayer. For we know not what we should pray for. The Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he searches the hearts and he knows the mind of the Spirit because it makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know, verse 28, that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Verse 29 is what I want to mainly focus on here. For whom he did foreknow. Everybody say foreknow. Foreknow he did predestinate according to the image of his son. You know, people mention this. this, is, this they actually use this word to say this. Well, the way that God predestinates everything is that he's in the future and he already knows it. So when he tells us about it, he's just telling what already happened because he's already in that time. He's not in control over it and he's not power over it, but he knows. And folks, that's not what this means. When it says he did foreknow, what he's saying is this, is he knew Jonathan. He knows everything Jonathan's going to do his whole entire life. And he called him by his grace, even so. He knew it. He knows what you will be. You know, you may find yourself in a place where you've done something terrible. You've sinned and you think maybe God is going to turn his back on you. Maybe your family, maybe the church. You don't even know if they found out about this about me or if they knew this about me. Let me tell you right now, God already knows it. God already knows, you know, who knows what you might do? Who knows how a disease might affect your mind and what you may say or do when you, when you get old? You don't even know. Folks, we are frail, weak people. Things happen to us. We fall apart. Is God going to be surprised by that? Does he not know it? He knows. He knows the end. What you don't even know, he knows. It says, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified. He glorified. What shall we say to these things? <laughs> if God be for us, who can be against us? You know what? If God knows us like this and loves us like this and takes pleasure in us like this, who do you think? You think he's going to let anybody push us around and mistreat us? You think he's going to abandon us and we're not going to have what we need and he's not going to provide for us? We're just people walking through this world uh, that God wound up like a clock somewhere. No, we are walking hand in hand with God and he is our friend and he loves us. He cares whether Jeff gets a good job or a great job or he cares about everything that's going on in your life. Amen. Should make us really excited and, and in love with the Lord today. It should bring us to a place of praise and worship. And if God can stand with us, who, who can stand against us? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, you said that you were going to take the stony heart out of us and give us a new heart. Some of us here may say, well, I've been to church, but I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't really love God like that. I, I mean, being a Christian is great, and I love clean living, and, and, and I don't want to be like the world, but... But this knowing you, Lord, I don't, I don't know that. Lord, as I'm praying and Jonathan is playing this song, but we're not going to quite sing it yet. If you're here today and you need to come and pray and say, Lord, I want to know you like that. Lord, I want to live as though you, Lord, take pleasure in me. Lord, that my praise to you is something that you love. 
in the same way that my kids will bring me things and because they know that I love them. My, my daughter bought me a, a, a fresh peach. It's your favorite, Dad. Lord, you delight in us like that. You love us. Lord, the things we offer you, you appreciate them, you love them. Maybe you're here today, you don't understand, you've never had that kind of real relationship with God. Then I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would draw those who may need to come today to pray, that you would speak to their hearts, and that we could touch them with your hands, Lord, and pray for them. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray your time with us was very encouraging. If it was, consider sending us a note and also consider partnering with us.